This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Thursday. It's the 26th of March. You've been paid. All very happy. Zayn Malik's gone. Couldn't care less. Jeremy Clarkson's gone. Well, he walked off with eight and a half million quid. So, I mean, hardly seen as a loser, is he really? What has happened to David Boyd Beckham? There he is doing his uh, casual posing on a balcony with his shirt off, covered in tattoos. It really is trailer trash of the worst possible kind. Uh, the oven kill boss gets a £25,000 fine. It's such a weird story. 25 grand doesn't seem to kind of cover it. And Katie Price, according to her, is going to Australia. Could be for three months for a mystery job. Good Lord. Didn't they make those sort of films over there, Katie? But obviously, if it's going to take you three months, you've obviously slowed down quite considerably. Oh, and Top Gear's other stars are thinking of quitting as well, because they come as a package. They work together... They'll, they'll go together. The BBC, of course, have completely screwed it up big time. Completely screwed it up. So they're now stuck with a programme that's dead in the water, which was very, very lucrative for them. And it was lucrative because of all three of them. You can recast it, but it's not going to be the same programme. They might as well just scrap it completely, come up with a different uh, name and give you somebody different on it. And and then we'll wait and see what happens to it. It's a bit like the Zayn Malik thing, isn't it? Zayn had a bit of a, a queenie fit when he discovered that the press were taking pictures of him, you know, you're kind of in show business, you're in the biggest boy band in the world, and uh, and the press take pictures, and you have a bit of a tantrum. Grow up, 22-year-old, grow up quick, very quick. So, anyway, he's gone home, he's obviously had a look in his piggy bank, and he's decided he's got enough money, he doesn't need to do it anymore, and obviously Mumsy and Popsy have said to him, listen, sweet cheeks, listen, if you don't want to go touring with those nasty rough boys, don't go touring with them. You know, you can sit at home at 22 and completely screw your life up if you want, because what do you do when you've got loads of money? And he he will have loads of money. He'll have quite a few million quid sitting in a bank somewhere, and uh, there'll be royalties and stuff like that that'll keep coming in, so he'll still get some money on the previous stuff. The trouble is, he's not really been doing it long enough for anybody to make any any big deal about it. He could leave the group, like Jerry Halliwell did. The Spice Girls meandered around for a little while, and then it just all went... Pfft, and went. And that's what happened to One Direction, which is what we predicted more than a year ago on the programme. It takes one to go, and then the rest of them just go, well, it's not the same without him. We're not enjoying it. It's just become a business. He's out there. He's got his feet up, you know, doing all, all, the, all the biz. It's like Craig McLachlan. Is it Craig McLachlan? Craig somebody. Who was in Bross. There were three of them. There were the two, two brothers who then stopped speaking to each other. One who, of course, had a, a nasty temper, and the other one went into acting. And uh, and there's what the, the the one with the nasty temper is working at Caesar's Palace. You remember him, don't you? Turned up drunk at LBC one night, threatening to do all sorts of things. We just called the police on him. It was as simple as that. And they escorted him from the premises, tail between his legs, back to wherever he came from. Uh, anyway, Craig got out of the group, and they paid him off a million quid. He then went on to become huge in the record industry. I don't think Zayn Malik's got any particular talent. I've never noticed anything up until now. There's no sort of leadership qualities. There's no nothing. He's just gone, I don't want to do it. And and I want to live life as a normal 22-year-old. And I, was, I had to ask myself the question. I wasn't too sure what a normal 22-year-old did. 
Is that you sort of go out, pick up as many birds as possible, Zane, and uh, smoke drugs and all kinds? Is that what normal 22-year-olds do? Or do you sit at home doing a jigsaw and perhaps some colouring in? I don't know what you're supposed to do at 22. What is a normal 22-year-old? Who is a normal 22-year-old? At 22 now, they're all at college because they've been failures at school. So they go to college, they fall into bad habits, they start turning... I mean, I, went, I was on the train yesterday going home because Anita Dobson came in. And uh, she was fantastic. She was re- it's a really good conversation. You're not going to hear it this weekend. You'll probably hear it next weekend because uh, she's got something coming up at the Royal Albert Hall. I'll tell you what it is a little bit later. Anyway, she, she sort of came in and we had a nice chat and I was able to have a quick peek yesterday at our new studios downstairs. Well, I mean, it's all singing, all dancing. It is compared... And we've got, I should imagine, in this building alone, there must be more than... 30 studios, at least the, at least 30 studios, if not more. I mean, including all the booths and everything else, there could be nigh on 60. Uh, some are fully equipped studios, some are just, you know, things for doing editing in, and, um, and all the radio stations have got their own studios. Some have got two, some have even got three. Three studios some of them have got. We'll have two, but the one that they're building downstairs is possibly the state-of-the-art studio. I mean, I don't even know if I'm going to be allowed to take a picture of it and tweet it to show you just how grand it is. I can't show you at the moment because it's not finished, but uh, it's going to be finished on Saturday. So we've so while we were waiting for that one to be done, they've made this one, uh, which is this is the one that we're in now. Both the control room and the studio are the size of the control room in the one downstairs. It's as, it's as simple as that. I was talking to the guys wiring it yesterday and the guys putting in the ceiling and today all the, the desktop goes in and then all the microphones. The only thing I can't get, get my head around is the camera, which is on a rail and it goes backwards and forwards, will be, will be aiming at the back of people's heads because they're going to be sitting with their back to it. So I didn't... Is the, yeah, but the one that's on the back is the one that goes backwards and forwards, but that's only going to be seeing the back of somebody's head. Why would you want to see the back of somebody's head, which goes backwards and forwards? I thought that one would have been at the other end of the studio, but apparently it's not. It's, it's staying by the, the window, and... Well, you're right. I mean, obviously, I mean, the, the camera should be on me all the time. In fact, actually, while I think about it, I've got a camera in the studio. I'll just aim it at me, just so I know what I'm looking like. There you go. That's what gorgeous looks like at this time of the morning. You're going to tweet a picture of... <laughs> yeah, take... Is it actually on me? I can't tell with this camera because there's nothing... I mean, I should have had makeup or something like that, but... Uh... Have you, have you got a picture up on the screen? He's going to tweet a picture so you can see just how just how fantastic it is. And before you say anything, yes, this is how I wear my headphones, OK? Just in case you start thinking that you shouldn't be wearing your headphones like that. I've done it for 35 years and I have no intention of changing now because people always go, why do your headphones look funny? And I go, because they're behind my ear. And it pushes the ear out and it makes me look a bit odd. But that's the way that I wear my headphones. So anyway, just going back, we'll have that picture tweeted in about two seconds, I would think. It's so quick now, isn't it? Isn't modern technology quick? Anyway, so where was I? Oh, yes. So Anita Dobson comes in and we do a fantastic interview talking about this uh, BBC One drama called Amada, where she plays Queen Elizabeth I. She's going to be at the Palade, uh, the Royal Albert Hall in Follies. For only two performances. My God, it's an all-star cast. The showbiz lovies will be out for this one. It's got everybody from Peter Polycarpu from Birds of a Feather and uh, was then in Phantom and in Miss Saigon. Betty Buckley's going to be there. Ruthie Henschel's going to be there. There is a cast list to die for. And Anita Dobson said to me yesterday, she said, I've got to learn to tap dance. 
I said, can you tap dance? She said, basically tap dance. Yes, I can do basic tap step, you know, perhaps a time step. Look at me knowing about things like that, eh? And uh, she will probably do jazz hands as well. So anyway, so uh, so uh, we, we did her yesterday. Then I went to have a look at the... Um, at the studio. Then I get back on the train. And I'm sitting on the train, and we have a college in Twickenham. And um, every so often, the police have a purge at the station. They're looking for drugs. And it doesn't take them too long, generally, to find them from the kids who go to the college. They have the sniffer dogs out. And you know what the dog does? The dog just walks backwards and forwards as the kids are coming out. If it sits down in front of them, they take them to one side and they search them. And it's, uh, it's quite entertaining, actually. I always think it's very entertaining. I could sit up there for days... Days watching the dog because the dogs can only work for 20 minutes. It's either 20 or 30 minutes. And then they rest them and then they bring out another dog. And he then has to go because they're, they're so finely tuned. They're only tuned to sniff drugs, mainly marijuana. Well, of course, you can imagine with all these kids at this uh, at this college. I should imagine like most colleges, marijuana is rife. I mean, some even oops, sorry. Some even actually take it in to them. This is sorry, it's the picture. It's you tweeting. Yes, it's the, it's a picture of me tweeting. I can't wait to see it, actually. I'm very excited. Oh, look at that! I think we should take that again, actually. It's not one of my better pictures. I'm sl- slightly looking uh, quite bright for 4am. <laughs> quite bright. Look at my ear, honestly. It does look funny, doesn't it? But anyway, there you go. And, uh, yes, I'm wearing that shirt as well this morning. And, yes, I've got one of these things around my neck with LBC written on in case I get lost and have to be returned back to the studio. It's if the police find me. They go, well, who does he work for? They go, I don't know, but he's wearing an LBC little choker thing, so stick him back in. Anyway, so I'm listening to the kids on the train, and um, quite clearly they're not remotely bothered about doing anything at their ages now, because one of them said, you know, what, 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 what time's your lesson? He said it was at nine o'clock. I said, the other one said, so did you not bother? He said, no, nah, I couldn't be bothered, went out last night. And you think, why are you even, you know, why are you even at this college? It didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And a lot of them appear to be a bit lackadaisical. You can go back at 12 o'clock lunchtime and some of them wander in because they've obviously got afternoon lessons. You know, my day, you did all day. But nowadays, you know, would you mind popping in for a lesson? They don't look as though they're particularly bothered about anything. They don't look as though they've got a brain cell between them. They look as if they're just sort of there because their mummies said, you know, you need to go to college. Uh, Patrick was talking about the um, the Barrage re Clarkson. And says, um, you know, maybe you could persuade him to be a guest for In Conversation. What planet are you on, pal? He's already been on In Conversation. He was on at Christmas. He was on In Conversation at Christmas. Half an hour with Mr Hammonds. Came in. Charming. Lovely. Never once tried to grab me by the throat or anything like that. The interview went very well. We had a bit of a laugh. And uh, and they worked well together. And it was great fun. You really must keep up, honestly. If you're going to pretend to be a listener to LBC, at least try and, you know, pretend you know what's going on. I mean, I, I quite understand that it might be not that easy for you, you know, if, if you don't know everything that goes on. But do try. Do try, please. And um, Rick says, here in America, radio presenters normally work a Monday to Friday schedule and then part-timers work Saturday and Sunday. How did your station or others in the UK come up with a Sunday through Thursday schedule? Um, well, mine, mine is Sunday through Friday. I do a six-day week. I do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then I get uh, the rest of Friday off and Saturday off and then back in on Sunday for the Sunday show. And uh, the reason for that is because I'm popular. Popular, you're going to be popular. And so, uh, so that's why I'm here. And I've got my podcasts. Every day we have a free podcast. Uh, Sunday's the only day we don't have a free podcast. But I'm sure that's merely around the corner. Merely around the corner. Um, Is the firing squad the kindest way to execute killers? They've got this dilemma in America. And I'll tell you how how, you you just think 
because you've probably seen old war footage of somebody tied to a post and then they they take aim and there'll be about about 10 people firing uh, at the person who is tied to the post and then they just slump to the ground. You can see it on YouTube. It's not... Uh, I mean, I'm always amazed at some of the awful things, some of the awful atrocities. Uh, but if it's uh, if it's World War spies being executed, I couldn't have any any lesser feeling for them. And so there's that on the internet. But the reality is very different in modern-day America. How do they go about executing somebody with firing squad? I'll tell you after this. Leading Britain's conversation. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from 7 on LBC. Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg is in today. That's good. He'll be taking your calls. I mean, I, d- I don't know what, where you'd start with Mr Clegg. Where would you start with Mr Clegg? All change in the entertainment world. One man's been kicked out, another one left. What's next for them and their fans? Are you beside yourself at the loss of Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear or Zayn Malik from One Direction? Apparently some of the Zayn Malik fans have said they might start self-harming. They've gone, you know, because... And I know this is really difficult to explain, but if you're not a fan... You know, as we're not really of boy bands and girl bands and stuff like that because we're a little bit too old for it. If you are of, you know, a younger persuasion, you are obsessed with these boy bands. When we had One Direction in Leicester Square for two days, the girls were out there waiting for them and they corralled them. I mean, to be honest with you, it's a bit like being on top of the pops. They sort of move you from one site to another and the girls were exactly the same for Daniel Radcliffe and the Harry Potter cast, the girls were kept in almost like cages. Here, in Leicester Square, they were all corralled one side. Then they let them come into the middle so they could spend the night there. And so they all huddled up, and all they want to talk about is their favourite group. And their favourite group was One Direction. You know, they won't hear a word said against them. They, all the girls want to have affairs with them. They want to marry them, have children with them, because they become obsessed. And so when one of them goes, uh, I just want to be a normal 22-year-old, that bursts their bubble. That burst their butt. They all of a sudden don't... What do you mean? Zane was our favourite. How, how could you do this? They literally will now turn against him because he's effectively completely screwed their life up. You know, so you're more than happy to have us buy into the dolls and the pictures and the photos and the records. And now you've just crapped on us, basically, and left us. And that's how bad it's going to be for some of these girls who are the Zane... You know, some of them will be Harry fans. Some will be... You know, Louis fans, but there'll be a lot of Zane fans, and already they've started on the internet. And unless you're a fan of a group or you become obsessed with somebody who's in that that business, you've got no idea how ill these girls will be. They sobbed. They were sobbing just at the very sight of them when they arrived in Leicester Square. You've got no idea. It used to happen years ago, for those of you old enough to remember a group called The Beatles. Whatever happened to them, I ask myself. I never thought they would amount to anything. The Beatles. Might as well have called yourself the Wasps or something. Anyway, they, they apparently had one or two little minor hit singles and sort of popped around the world. But when they went out to do something, girls screamed themselves silly. A couple of boys, but they were a bit girly, so we didn't worry about them. But exactly the same for the Bay City Rollers. Girls would scream. Scream! They'd be crying and sobbing. People would be carried out of concerts. You've got no idea. Unless you went through it. I myself was a fan of Pickety Witch. We didn't bother doing any screaming. We were way too old for that kind of thing. We just sat down and had sort of a a small sweet cherry and we were very happy. But nowadays, the girls, I mean, I remember Take That when they were out doing concerts. Girls scream for the... I went to see a Blue concert. Everybody swore it was dreadful. And, uh, no, I I went to see Blue in concert. And we went backstage before 
And uh, then we sat in the seats. Unfortunately, I'll hold my hands up in case anybody's got any pictures. I was well the worse for wear. I was, as they say, emotionally drained. And I'd had quite a few sherbets. In fact, I'd had so many sherbets, I fell off the seat three times. In fact, at one point, I fell actually under the seat. And I, it took me ages to get back again. And the person I went with was so horrified that I'd made a fool of myself that they refused to talk to me for the rest of the night. But anyway, that's another story. When Blue arrived, and on their last concert, we went to... When did we go to see them? We went to see them at Wembley, I think. They came in climbing down netting, like camouflage netting kind of thing. The moment the lights went down, the screaming started, and it did not stop until the end of the... You wouldn't have known if they were singing or not. You'd have no idea whether or not they could sing. Because it was screaming throughout the whole thing, from start to finish. Same for the Beatles, same for Bross, same for all these groups, same for, you know, the Bay City Rollers. Everybody had it. So when you get it with One Direction, and theirs goes round the world, you know, many of the groups in this country we screamed at didn't actually go round the world. One Direction went round the world. So you'll get girls listening to this programme, probably now, who've got pictures of Zane on their... There's probably people listening who've got pictures of me and my Auntie Enid as well. But Zane will be on the on the bedroom walls of lots of young girls. And they will be feeling so hurt that now he's not even touring with them, you know, which was OK because they thought he might be going back. Now he's out completely. He wants to be a normal 22-year-old without a care for these girls. Nobody thinks about them. Nobody ever thinks about the fans and how distraught they are because they are obsessed with these groups. They're obsessed with these boys and... Um, and the reason they're obsessed is because that's what the record companies sell them. Here's a picture of Harry with his shirt off. Scream! Here's a picture of, you know, Zane with his shirt off. More screaming! Here's a picture of Steve Allen with his shirt on and his anorak and a scarf and a woolly hat and all the rest of it, and nobody cares. So they scream for them because it's, it's been manufactured. It's manufactured pop. It's manufactured in such a way to get these girls to buy into One Direction. Here they are. Look, you can nearly touch them. You can't quite touch them. You can have a selfie taken with maybe one. Don't touch them because they've got security around them to make sure. Because otherwise the girls would have them stripped off in about five seconds. You know, they don't want to hold their hand and go, it's very nice to meet you, hello. They're not interested in that. I've seen some of the signs they held up at the Take That concert. That frightened me a bit, coming from 12-year-olds. You know, show us your, and things like that. You've got all those sort of things, but they had that years ago with Bross when their offices were down in Covent Garden. So what the record company have effectively done is they've turned these boys into monsters. And they've led these girls down an alley of believing that these boys really care about them. They don't give a... F they don't. They do not care. Why would they care? You come out of one venue and uh, you're on the tour bus and then you're out and you're back to the hotel and you stay there. Ask the Osmonds. We've talked to the Osmonds on numerous occasions. What was it like touring? No idea. No idea. Why have you got no idea? Well, because we, uh, we flew in. We waved on the steps of the plane. Uh, we got down, we went onto a coach, we were taken to the hotel, we stayed in the hotel, we got changed into our white jumpsuits, we got back on the coach, taken to the venue, out onto the stage, did the, th did the show, back on the coach, back to the hotel, next day, back to the airport, and that was it. They didn't see anything of any of the... You know, you don't have a chance to know where you are. If you listen to Bette Midler, Bette Midler's got an album out when she's touring, and at one point, she's standing at the side of the stage before somebody goes, ladies and gentlemen... The divine Miss Bette Midler. And you can hear her saying, where are we? Where are we now? And they go, you're in Detroit. And she goes, hello, Detroit. And that's what it's like for these girls. They've been sold a pup. 
and they've been sold a pup by the record companies who want them to buy as many records of One Direction as possible because they want you to believe that these boys really care about you. Well, quite clearly they don't. Quite clearly they don't. And that's why, you know, nobody thinks about these girls, do they? Nobody thinks about, you know, what some of them will be going through now. The tears, you know, you can't eat, you just feel lethargic. You know, I mean, I was exactly the same when Vera Lynn decided to go into retirement. I couldn't eat, I couldn't do anything at all. And now you've got all the all the fans of One Direction. And there'll be lots of fans, millions of them around the world going, in fact, they've already started tweeting, why have you done this to me? Why have you hurt me? Didn't you like me? What's he going to do? Reply back to all of them? No. What's the record company going to do? Well, <laughs> listen, they're only interested in flogging records. They're not interested in anything else. And that's why it's it's very interesting. Very interesting. But nobody ever in any of the newspapers has ever done a thing. You know, they've all done a thing. Oh, you know, Zane's quit, blah, 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 blah. You know, nobody's ever asked the fans, how, how do you feel about it? How depressed are you now? Really, really depressed. You know, it's it's like, you know, when, when sort of Christo's not on the air, you know, the amount of joyous texts we get from people is, is almost heart heartwarming, ladies and gentlemen, as they know they've only got to wait another five days before he pops up again. But in the case of these fans, they're obsessed. When One Direction appeared in Leicester Square, and the girls have been out there for at least two days, and then they appeared, I mean, they, they weren't but up there for a very short period of time on their little stand. The screaming must have echoed throughout London. It was It was seriously frightening, you know, to be in a group like that, and every time you go out, I mean, he will find it... I think he thinks... This is how I think he's thinking at the moment. OK, I'm going to quit. Now I can just go back to being normal. <laughs> I don't think so, pal. I don't think so. Girls will be camped outside his house. They all know because they all swap addresses. They know where everybody lives. And they'll be sitting there. You think he's going to go back to normal life of a 22-year-old? I think not. They'll have to smuggle him out dressed as a woman under a blanket in the back of a car. Because the girls are going to go, why, why have you ruined my life? You know, I, I thought that you liked us. You know, that's why we bought the records. That's why we bought the posters. That's why we bought the books. That's why we bought the pencils. That's why we bought the images. We bought that. And you've done what? You've effectively turned around and gone, I want to be a normal 22-year-old. They don't want you to be a normal 22-year-old. They couldn't give a stuff about you being a normal 22-year-old. What they want is you to be their friend. That's why they bought your records. They didn't just buy them to make you rich. They don't understand that side of it. They're not interested in that side of it. They're only interested in, why have you done this to them? Why have you hurt them? And that's why, if Zayn Malik seriously believes that he can finish in one direction one minute and then go back to being a normal 22-year-old, he is sadly mistaken. 84850, uk. We take all your uh, your texts and all your emails. We will bring you the weather later on, but to be brutally frank, I'm not particularly bothered about it because... Uh, well, because yesterday was lovely. When I left it, it was not cold, but nice. And uh, Oz and I, he works on the uh, security downstairs. We've been having some very interesting chats because he's Turkish. And we've had some really, he's sickeningly good looking. And I think he works out. Everybody's work, every, every time I go anywhere now, people are working out. One of my friends does a breakfast show on another one of our sister stations. And he's, uh, he's 37. We had this, which, which is... <laughs> I only laugh because we had this long conversation the other day on Twitter, backwards and forwards, which was very funny, with him saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm down with the kids and tonight I'm going out to Shoreditch. Gonna... And I went, what do you mean down with the kids? You're 37, for goodness sake. 37 is nearly 40. 40 is very near 50. And 50 is near death. You know, and you're hanging around down with the kids. 
had to remind him of just how old he was. Anyway, yesterday uh, the news came through that we've got Victoria Wood confirmed for Friday for In Conversation, a recording with uh, one of my favourite studios in London. So I should be going down there see Davey and all the rest of the team, because I like going there. They always get some really, really good guests, and they look after me very well, so I quite like that. I have to walk there, mind you. I have to walk there, but uh, Kevin Hughes is going to walk with me. He's one of the, uh, the showbiz editors at, L- at, at LBC and Global. Actually, he turned up on the news talking about One, one Direction. And um, he's another sickening... I'm surrounded by sickeningly good-looking people. Anyway, so we're going to do Victoria Wood. And today, at very short notice, Matthew Bourne, the man behind Swan Lake... And uh, Carman is coming in as well. And so I've got him to do this morning. And then next week, I can't even begin to tell you who's coming in to be interviewed for In Conversation. And we've got a very good In Conversation for this weekend. The legend that is George Benson will be with me. New album. He's 71. He's got 10 Grammys. And who was the other one? I think Amelia Fox is coming in as well. Woo! So very, very good In Conversation. They're always very good. But I mean, this weekend, again, two super celebrities joining me for In Conversation. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nick Dubois doing the papers for uh, Nick Ferrari this morning on LBC for breakfast. That's all after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Notice my friend Jez is up now. Actually, I'm, I'm so disappointed. The first thing I do when I when I sort of pick up on people who Twitter, and he was the one that we were sort of going backwards and forwards yesterday. He's sort of he's sort of down with the kids, but at his age, I mean, he's a little bit old for it. But anyway, uh, he lives around Shoreditch. Well. I think he's in the naff part, and he just goes into Shoreditch to elevate himself. And I was sort of going through his pictures. He, he's actually, he actually took a picture of a sausage sandwich. I don't, I don't quite understand where that one's coming from. But it reminded me, because it's got ketchup on it, that yesterday I went to the fridge and I thought, I just fancy some bacon and ketchup. And I didn't have any bacon in the fridge. I've got to go back to Sandy's to get some, which is our fish shop, but they do this nice... This uh, sort of farm fresh bacon, as opposed to sort of the commercial stuff, and uh, and I didn't have any ketchup. The ketchup was out of date, so I had to go to Iceland. I know, I know. And I went to Iceland in disguise, of course, full burka, and uh, and I go in there and I buy the ketchup, and then I buy some salad cream. And then yesterday, what did I have? Oh, I had. Uh, I was going to have sausages, but I didn't. I had hot dogs. I wish I'd had the sausages, and and I covered it in. In ketchup. In fact, I think I put too much ketchup on. But I'd suddenly realised how much I enjoyed ketchup. And it was delicious. So every time I look at Jez's picture of this, this sandwich... I mean, it's not even a great picture of the sandwich, it has to be said. But, I mean, it's got this sort of ketchup oozing out of it. But he did send me a tweet this morning saying that, um, that apparently uh, it's, still, it's still rocking down in Shoreditch. I don't believe a word of it. Shoreditch's still rocking. He's way too old to be going out to these places. I don't like, you know, I mean, I always feel sorry for people who are a certain age and they they can't let go of their youth. They can't, that makes it sound like a bad joke, doesn't it? But they can't let go of their youth and they, um, and so they end up, you know, hanging around places where young people are. Because if you hang around with young people, apparently, that makes you a young person. Doesn't quite work like that. Doesn't quite work like that. But he obviously th- he obviously thinks it does. You know, which is okay. I don't have a problem with that. But I think he started having Botox and things. I think he started having little bits of work done. Whereas who was I listening to the other day? Oh, um, we were t- when we were talking to Anita Dobson, she said she wouldn't have anything done. But she said she four times she mentioned to me. You'll hear it back on the interview in a couple of weeks uh, when she was talking about how old she is now, and she's not very old at all. She's really not, and she looks fantastic. But you're going to see her in Follies. You're going to see her in Armada, where she plays Queen Elizabeth the First. 
four hours the makeup took. Because Queen Elizabeth I was uh, a lady who wore wigs, big wigs. And also, she had really bad skin through smallpox, which had eaten away at the skin. So, in an effort to try and make herself look, you know, a little bit more regal, um, they, uh, they covered her face with white chalk. It was lead-based paint that went on their faces. Unfortunately, because it was lead-based, it ate into the skin. So all the people in those days had really, really bad skin. They didn't have the Estee Lauder counter they could pop to. You know, if they would have done, she'd have had all their heads off straight away. And so they used to put white lead on their faces and then paint in all the other features. I mean, they must have looked grotesque, but she thought she looked great. Uh, Also, her wigs were infested with lice and practically mice, really all sorts of dreadful things. Uh, And she would have been covered in perfume to take away the stench of the fact that they didn't really do the washing of their clothes and stuff like that. But Anita said it was very interesting. You remember Elizabeth I, by the way, was so ruthless, she ordered the execution of her own sister, Mary Queen of Scots. It was a, She was kind of pushed into it. We both agreed that she was sort of pushed into it. But at the same time, she did call for the execution of her own sister. Now, I was going to tell you about talking of executions, and I'm sorry to mention it so early to you in the morning, but I know that you'll be as fascinated as I was because I had seen executions before of firing squads. During the war, um, they quite regularly used to, to shoot people. In fact, we used to shoot our own boys for desertion. And they would be shot at dawn by their own troops because they had to try and minimise the amount of people who had shell shock. They didn't know what shell shock was. So as many boys ran away to join the troops, sometimes from the age of 15, they could get away with it. They weren't supposed to be there. But because war was such a dread, they had no idea. I think they just thought you went bang and somebody dropped dead in front of you. No, it was either kill or be killed. It was a bit, bit worse than that. And so if they deserted, they'd be brought back and they would be shot. We executed quite a number of, of young boys and, uh, and young adults because they deserted from the troops. Now, over in America, as you're aware, they used to have uh, death by the electric chair. And that, apparently, they sort of gave up with because, you know, people set on fire and, you know, the crackling and everything else. And so they were on these pads, these wet pads, to make the electricity go through a little bit quicker. Then they tried the lethal injection. And then you remember the last one, two hours they spent in agony. Well, to be honest with you, I couldn't give a stuff. As far as I'm concerned, you can rot in hell. Couldn't care less whether it took them a long time. But anyway, being a humane society, we like the executions to be quick. So they want to bring back... Firing squad, but in the American firing squad, and there are a number of states who still have the uh, the chair that you're tied to. It's a very bland room. Okay, the room has got four walls. The prisoner is brought in. He's sitting in a in a chair. Uh, behind him is a wooden screen. The chair's painted black. Next to him are sandbags. There's probably about eight or nine sandbags either side to absorb the blood. That's what they say. And in front of the chair is a wall with five slits in it. Slits that you can put the gun through. The doctor comes in. He will... The, the man or woman or the person being execu- executed will be strapped to the, uh, to the chair. And then the doctor will locate the heart with a stethoscope... He then fastens a piece of white cloth, two inches square, with a circle in the middle, over the left breast of the prisoner's jumpsuit. They're aiming for that. That's what they're aiming for. They don't want anybody to aim anywhere else. And uh, unseen by the condemned, or the relatives, or anybody else, 
on either side, the squad of marksmen file in to take up position. There are five of them. Only five. They're lined up. They're taken from the local force where the inmates' crimes were committed. Uh, always been more volunteers than places on the squad, surprisingly. But then we are a fairly sick society. Each officer is given identical uh, .30 calibre Winchester rifle loaded with a single round. Um, they do have other ammunition standing by just in case the person is not dead. Uh, the warden picks up a microphone in the execution chamber and gives the prisoner two minutes to say his last words. The governor will then pull a black hood over the inmate's head and leaves the room. Unable to hear the countdown in the marksman's enclosure, witnesses at uh, somebody's execution said they waited in awful suspense for 30 seconds until a deafening burst of almost simultaneous gunfire rang out. They say possibly three or four holes in the in the target's chest. And that's what it is. Then they leave them for a few minutes. Then they go in and they check that they're dead. If they're not, they have to go through the process again. It's very similar to hanging. If you've read Albert Pierpoint's book, Britain's Last Hangman, on how he was sort of anti the whole thing. He, he, he could take people down fairly quickly in the execution chamber when we used to hang in this country. And in fact, in some of the prisons, they've still got the execution cell. The interesting thing is that it's right next door to where the condemned prisoner will be spending their last days. That was how it used to work. And so when they used to take them out for exercise, that's when they could work on the on the scaffold and they could put the sandbag on there, which was the exact weight of the prisoner. The executioner would look at them and they'd go, he's eight stone nine. And so they would make up a sandbag which would stretch the rope. What you didn't want when you hanged somebody. This is great conversation for this time of the morning, isn't it? It's um, is you didn't want the head coming off. Which, which happened on a couple of occasions, and that was, that was considered bad form. But after they'd hanged somebody, they would leave them hanging there, and then the executioner would have to go undress them and take them down off the, off the rope. But in America, they now say, well, they're asking questions, is the firing squad the kindest way to execute killers? I love the way... We're still so compassionate, aren't we? Is it the kindest way? Will they suffer? Will they feel anything? I always like to tell the story of the ghastly Ceausescu's when they were in court. Such an arrogant, revolting, disgusting pair responsible for the deaths of so many people. Uh, they got found guilty by the court, as you know, and uh, they were sentenced to death. And even up until that point, he was going, yeah, whatever, whatever. Ceausescu and his ghastly, ugly wife. Unfortunately, they didn't realise that they, they were going to carry out the death penalty. Immediately. They were literally taken out of a side door, tied to a post. He was shot and then she followed. It was as simple as that. Simple as that. They didn't didn't waste any time at all. None of this lethal injection malarkey. They didn't bother with anything like that. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I now know why you dislike Greg Wallace, says Christian. Possibly too late for you last night, but Rosie and I were shouting at the TV. He was so condescending to the amateur chefs on MasterChef. Well, he's, he's just a fruit and veg bloke, isn't he? That's all he is. He was a fruit and veg bloke with a lot of companies that haven't... Uh, haven't actually done so well. I didn't. I just didn't like his attitude to people. That was that was the only problem I had with him. That was the only problem I had. And then John Tarode's comment the other day, which I thought was very funny, about uh, you know, would you go on Strictly? He said no, because you know that Greg Wallace did Strictly and was kicked out after two weeks. He said no. He said you, 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 I, I, the only people who go on that are people whose careers going down the Swanee. <laughs> I wasn't sure if he was referring directly to Greg or not. I don't know. Uh, oh, sorry, yes, uh, Mary Queen of Scots' cousin. This is cousin, thank you. 
Other words, she lost her head, didn't she? It didn't last long in those days. Very gruesome programme this morning. Very gruesome. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Let's try and get as many of your texts and emails in this morning. And we will do the... Um, We'll do the papers, and we'll do Clarkson, and... Oh, I don't think there's anything more to say about Zayn Malik, is there? Uh, Dave says, on the firing squad, one of the rounds is blank. Yes, it's... Um, they're firing... Um, oh, what do they call it? Candles. It's a wax bullet. It's a wax bullet. Uh, 84850. Oh, history not your favourite subject, says Kate. Yes, I, on, I only do that because it means I get loads of texts in very quickly from all you history buffs who know these things. Which is good. Thank you. And uh, Kevin the Milkman says, my round starts in Shoreditch and is still buzzing all night. Well, I mean, uh, yes. I mean, I think personally, Jez just sort of gets up, throws on an old tracksuit that he's worn the day before and then wanders in here because he's down with the kids. I don't even possess a tracksuit. I do not have a tracksuit. I don't have any trainers. I've got nothing like that. And I thought I was fairly hip. Obviously not. Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. It was interesting. My friend Jez was telling me a story the other day about a celebrity. Uh, and I said, well, that's absolutely shocking because this person's a, a close personal friend of mine. And um, and uh, he was putting this out as fact and then trying to blame it on somebody else, another friend of mine who's a who's a radio presenter. And uh, and this other one, um, the, the first, no, the second, the second presenter came back to me and he said, it's never a fact if you haven't seen the evidence. And and I said, but the but the, but the first one, you know, the, the first person who told me about it, I mean, very loosely connected with facts. I mean, he's obviously just trying to make himself interesting by telling me a story about uh, about somebody very famous, about somebody very famous. And uh, and when I said, you know, this person's a personal friend of mine, he started backtracking. He was backpedalling like there was no tomorrow. I was furious, furious. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. You don't seem to be particularly bothered, apart from one person who is bothered about uh, having uh, the One Direction stuff. Kevin says, My 13-year-old daughter has cost us a fortune in One Direction merchandise, but on hearing the news about Zayn leaving, she shrugged her shoulders and said, Well, I don't like them now. Luckily, we're friends with an Essex pop punk group called Such Strange Arts, so her allegiance has gone over to them now. Nice bunch of young lads, too, so Sam and I can breathe easy. Isn't it funny? They're very fickle children, aren't they, really, when they're, when they're fans? I didn't... We weren't allowed pop magazines when I was younger, even though there were a number of pop magazines out there. And the reason... I, don't, I just don't think my parents thought they were for us. So we didn't have comics, we didn't have pop magazines. And, I, and because I hadn't seen them, I didn't miss them. So it wasn't as if I was sort of thinking, oh, I wish I had a pop magazine, or I wish I was allowed to read American comics like Marvel or Tiger or whatever it was we had in those days. So it was only when I went to my cousin's house that I could actually see some of these comics and to be honest with you I never quite understood them I never understood comics at all so I used to look at the little ads in there for all these you know x-ray specs where you could put them on and you could see through people's clothes and I often wondered how that worked and I thought I quite like that and then a few years back you may not remember the story but there was a Sony video camera that came out unfortunately it came with an added bonus if you clicked it onto night mode apparently or something you could see through people's clothes it became like an X-ray. And I remember thinking, oh, that could be useful, couldn't it? You could use that somewhere. I don't know where, but I mean, I'm sure you could think of something. So it worked very similar to the X-rays in America, where they stand you in a, a thing. You walk in and the thing goes round you and they can see right through your clothing, see if you've got a, a gun on you. Or in my case, a very small water pistol. But anyway, so they, they have these sort of things there. And when they brought this camera out, they, it was a fault. They didn't know it had the fault in it. It was only because somebody pointed it out to them. And I remember thinking, how exciting. 
How exciting. 84850 Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, we should put everything in. Um, Zane, did he go? Was he pushed? No, I think he absolutely wanted to go. I think he'd had enough. The problem was, the problem was that he'd been caught coming out of a club in Thailand with his arms, holding hands with this girl and then all the rest of it. And then he was complaining about the uh, the press and the intrusion. And I thought, well, you're in the wrong business then if you want to complain about press intrusion, because you don't have any right at all to decide what pictures they take. You're the one in the group. You can't go, oh, don't take any pictures of me. You're a group. OK, so uh, I don't think it was a liability. I mean, to be honest with you, what he's going to do, I've got no idea. And if he thinks he can go back to normality immediately, that'll be very, very remote. Uh, another one here, which says, um, Tony says that the uh, the sandbanks, uh, the sandbags that stop the bullets rebounding. No, they're there to absorb the blood. They might also because they're aiming for the chest unless they're really a rank amateur. You know, and it's it's, so it's going straight through, isn't it? So they end up with four or five bullet holes in the person, probably four bullet holes, but they say it's to absorb the blood, which comes out in exactly the same way as years ago when they executed people by beheading. The uh, You had to be careful where you were standing. You certainly didn't want to be on the side where they were executing the head and it was aimed at you, because presumably the moment the head goes, you know, there's going to be quite a lot of blood, quite a lot of blood. Sounds disgusting, doesn't it, really? 84850, steve at uk. Thank you, Gary. Everybody, I'm so glad I did the um, the sister and not cousin bit which is good. Uh, anyway, she's still signed the death warrant, so uh, she's dead, put it that way. Uh, Steve, with the Jeremy Clarkson, the producer, reports that he went to hospital with a split lip. Um, yes, he's also said he's issued a statement today in the papers to say that he enjoyed working with him, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I don't know whether the BBC can continue with the programme, whether they're going to axe the programme. We don't know. Whatever, whatever's, whatever's happened... I think James May summed it up. He said, you know, a lot of fuss over such a little thing. You know, they actually could have dispensed with this age ago as opposed to turning it into Armageddon. You'd have thought that sort of Jeremy Clarkson had executed people. You really would have done. Have you heard about this new restaurant in Soho here in London? All they sell is um, is cheese sandwiches, grilled cheese sandwiches. They've got all various combinations. Sounds delicious, doesn't it? And they reckon they can make enough money just doing cheese sandwiches, grilled. Some have got beef and cheese and there was sort of egg and cheese, but they're they're all, you know, toasties, which is lovely. But to be honest with you, I mean, surely you can make them at home. Surely you can make, you know, if you've, if you've got a, a, one of those sandwich makers, they're absolutely ideal. Have you ever done, oh, oh dear. My favourites used to be years ago, uh, and I only discovered it when I went to a friend of mine's house, who's Asian, and he said, I've got a new use for the sandwich maker. So he used to, it's one of those brevels, which cuts it and everything else. So you put the bread on, and in the middle, he used to put some potato with a little bit of spice as well. And then you'd have... They were almost like little samosas. Delicious. Delicious. I could keep eating those till the cows got... Why they never made a breville that sort of made at least six of these toasties in one go? I can't imagine. But everybody did the same, didn't they? You'd all do cheese and tomato, cheese and pickle, cheese and ham, cheese and chicken, cheese and something. Because when the cheese melted, it was absolutely gorgeous. First thing in the morning, I, I could... If somebody stood outside here now doing cheese toasties, I'd be the first one buying them. Cheese toasted with just about anything. Just about anything in it. Just as long as it's cheese. Uh, I didn't see the programme. I did see little clips of something that might allude to kids who can't stay awake. It's called narcolepsy. Yes. Yes. Uh, I know, because I had a producer like it. Still have. I, and um, it's, it's where people just fall asleep. 
They just sort of sit there and then they they just drift off. They can't stay awake for any uh, time. Mind you, what we had somebody years ago work for LBC. He couldn't breathe. He used to forget to breathe, which I thought was fairly uh, fairly unusual. You'd have to say, breathe, breathe. Uh, Big Murph says, I've got your poster on my wall and your picture on my iPhone. If ever you leave LBC, I shall cry like a baby. <laughs> Brace yourself for crying. <laughs> Isn't that nice, th- nice thought? <clears throat> Slightly disturbing, but, you know, at the same time, slightly funny. Uh, 84850, steve at Let's look through some of the... Let's see what the papers are running with, as if, as if there's any big surprise, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Daily Mirror. Axe Clarkson faces cop grilling. Why on earth the police now would be getting involved with this? I don't know. Because it, it happened weeks ago. And only now the police are, are looking at it. I mean, surely it's up to the person who was involved in it to say, you know, do I want to press charges? And quite clearly he doesn't. And um, and a spokesman said yesterday, action will be taken when necessary. Bog off! What's it got to do with you? It's a private thing, you know, in a private hotel between the presenter and a producer. You know, it's 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 got nothing to do with the police, is it? What's it got to do with them? Why are they jumping on the bandwagon? Good lord, honestly, to go round and slap legs. Anne Kirk Bride has been voted the greatest soap star of all times, only because she's dead. I've only done that because she's... I mean, she certainly wasn't the greatest soap star of all time and certainly never would be. But because she died, obviously, she's in, in people's memories. Pretty woman in here until I suddenly realised it's Eddie Redmayne. He's dressing up as a as a cross-dresser. He plays a pioneering transgender artist. Thank God it's not Grayson Perry or whatever his name is. God, dear. But he looks good. He looks very good. But there again, nothing surprises me about Eddie Redmayne. Absolutely nothing at all. The BBC Director General Tony Hall said yesterday, there cannot be one rule for one and one rule for another dictated by either rank or commercial considerations. James May says, I'm sorry that what ought to have been a small incident turned into something big. And Hammond gutted at such a sad end to an era. We're all idiots, but it's been an incredible ride. Uh, Ian Hyland, the TV critic, says uh, haughty Jez's wit will be sorely missed. And Nicola Methven, the TV editor, says uh, good luck to whoever employs him next. It's not very nice, is it, really? But there you go. And um, she says so far he's blamed everyone but himself for his departure for Top Gear. I didn't think he'd actually said anything, Nicola. Perhaps I've missed that. Has he been saying different things to you? He hasn't bl- I mean, I don't think he's blamed everybody else but himself. He, he admitted he was the one who phoned the director-general. So I think you've screwed up on that one, haven't you, really? Uh, Zayn Malik, it's the right time to leave. I have to do what feels right in my heart. In other words, basically, all you fans, pfft, there you go. That's how much he cares. Um, and also, do you remember the Premiership footballer who tried to get an injunction out to stop himself being named? He... he um, found a girl somewhere, I think he's married, he might be married or certainly in a relationship, um, and uh, they had the business, and then he started texting her, and uh, she then decided she was going to go to the press, and um, anyway, he actually got an injunction out, which was very interesting, and now a High Court judge has gone, no, the papers can name him, so he's going to be named, I should imagine, probably by tomorrow. Probably by tomorrow you'll have a name in the frame of a Premiership footballer. The Chelsea fans, at the moment in the racism row to fight the banning order, somebody questioned and said, why are we dealing with something that happened in another country? We're constantly getting involved in things from other countries, aren't we? Always. Um, and then... Why did I save this? Oh, that's right, this is this, uh, this football star. And uh, the wealthy defender claims the woman who's a fitness instructor... Um, 
demanded £100,000 to keep quiet after they had sex, but the cheating star, who is a long-term partner and child, will keep his anim- anonymity for a further ten days while he challenges the ruling. So there you go. And uh, the footballers had to pay the woman's legal costs as well. So it was the footballer who offered her the cash to keep quiet, she says. When she refused and sold her story, she was branded a blackmailer when he was given anonymity at a court hearing. So you'll be knowing who that person is very shortly. To be honest with you, I've got no idea who it is. Nobody at all. I've got no idea. Could be anybody, actually. Uh, uh, As soon as we hear the name, you'll hear it first on LBC. So one out, both out. Zane and Clarkson, both out. One sort of voluntarily... And the other one, I shouldn't imagine he cares too much. He's got tons of money. If he didn't have any money, then you'd probably worry about it. Uh, why do women fake it? And the answer is, A, because they can, and B, because they just want to go to sleep. Uh, clapping hands. Don't do it, a women's group has been told. Very scary. Don't do it. Just just do jazz hands. OK. Uh, the new overweight pets, they're all over the place. The unhealthiest high street in Britain, Fern Britain, says, I'm 57, look 57, my boobs are sagging, but I'm very happy. And what do old children's TV shows say about you? We'll tell you first, and only on LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Thursday, the 26th of March. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I trust you well. It's good. Uh, Harry Styles, according to Connie... Cried on stage tonight in America. You know, ooh, Zane's gone. Ooh. Shows how little they know each other. Nobody seemed to like each other in the group. They all travelled separately, but I think that was probably for safety reasons. And um, and somebody says when Donny Osmond got married, some of the fans had record burning parties. Good grief! They do take it a little bit too far, don't they? Mary Reed thinks I'm looking good. All that matters at this time of the morning. And I got on the bus yesterday, my favourite bus driver, Nikki, was on. As I've not seen you for ages, she said, I've been waiting at the bus stop for the last two weeks for you at seven in the morning. I said, I've had a lot of interviews to do. That's the way it goes on LBC. I pass five. Uh, Peter Mabbott says, uh, you're up early, aren't you, this morning? Ridiculously early. And uh, Janine's up as well. I love looking at people's pictures, actually. Everybody seems to be better looking than me, which is slightly disturbing. Slightly disturbing. There's somebody here called Luke. Uh, Luke, is, I don't know what he is, actually. It's a bit difficult to tell, but he... Uh, uh, <laughs> There's amazing how many sort of um, different... Oh, he's obviously in some group, I think, but judging by the, the pictures that he's uh, that he's submitted, it looks like that. And um, I don't know, difficult to tell, actually. You know, when you go through people's pictures, and you think, what do you do for a living? Oh, perhaps that's him playing a guitar. Or he could be playing football. Or he, or he might not be doing any of the above. Any of the above at all. Pal Mal's closed. Be very careful. Uh, you'll come round the uh, the bottom of Pal Mal to come into it by Clarence House. And suddenly realise you go up the road and then it's closed. So you'll have to double back and come back round again. I think they're just sort of tarmacking the road or something like that. Morrissey failed to turn up for Alan Carr's show. He couldn't make it because of the, the uh, difficulty of getting out of a venue, getting to the thing, doing the show, and then coming back in again. Although Alan Carr says everybody else manages uh, to do it. They were spitting feathers, apparently, over it. But then Morrissey's always been a little bit precious, hasn't he? So, I mean, it just gets him coverage. Whereas, frankly, I couldn't care less either way. And uh, he had transport problems. Although, uh, Alan who's a Morrissey fan, Alan Carr, had no problem returning from Northern Ireland after the same gig from which he tweeted a series of snaps. Luckily, Warwick Davis and folk duo Hudson Taylor were able to uh, turn up for it, which is good. And uh, I mentioned Michelle Keegan being such a super-duper actress. 
Apparently all the good and the great actresses have tweeted her. Sarah Harding. I rest my case. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Sarah Harding, front of OK magazine. Sarah Harding at home, which is great. And uh, poor old Cheryl, still droning on about people in the music industry are sexualised. And you think, of course, dear. Well, I tell you what, why don't you go on stage next time without your hair and makeup done and just put on a pair of old dungarees, OK? See how you get on. You know, let's, uh, well, let's hear the singing, first of all. That'll be the most interesting bit. Um, did this plane's windscreen crack open mid-flight? Or, as we're now hearing, uh, one of the pilots not be able to get back into the cockpit because the door was locked. Uh, Katie Price is going to Australia. Good news is it could be three months. Uh, or whether or not it's just another old claptrap from the poor old baggage. Uh, because in Australia, Channel 9, she went over there to do something on Channel 9, but as you know, most of the things that she does last about 35 seconds because they suddenly realise that she doesn't know anything about fashion, she doesn't know anything about showbiz, she doesn't know anything about writing. And they suddenly re- They've obviously read about her, they go, oh, Katie, let's get her over here. And then they get her over here and suddenly realise she's got the most boring voice. She can't present for Toffee. There's not really much she can do. Not much crap. Not much uh, good in the in the bedroom department either, as Dane Bowers will testify. But uh, she's going over there for three months for a secret job. Australia have said, we've got no idea what it is. We haven't booked her for anything. Channel 9 said they've not booked her for anything. So perhaps she's going over there to work a tour bus or something. I don't know. Uh, Benefit Free D is off on a spree. She's going to Las Vegas. And she's going to give money to her agent. They're such a dreary twosome. You wish they'd hurry up and get married and then just bog off and leave us all alone. Uh, she's going to Vegas to go and spend money. She doesn't actually have any work at the moment. Because I think, frankly, I think the country have gone a bit bored with her. You know, you suddenly realise that there's not much to her, is there? Just another fat waste of space who smokes. So she must stink like the proverbial ashtray. Um, the Great British Food Safety sell-by, and it's, it's, it's to do with chicken, and I don't really want to worry you too much this morning, but I'm telling you that most of the chicken you buy in the shops, and I'm talking about all of the big supermarkets, is contaminated. Not just the chicken is contaminated, but the packaging is contaminated as well, and they've got facts and figures. And I'll come round to those a little bit later on, because it's, uh, it's quite disturbing. I'm I'm terrified about things like this. I'm terrified of, you know, undercooking something. You need to to overcook. You need to make sure that you've cooked something enough. And when it comes to chicken, you've really, really got to make sure that it's all done properly. Because otherwise, it's it could be absolutely disastrous. Um, here's Anne of Cleavage. Henry VIII gave fourth wife uh, Anne of Cleves the boot for her plain looks, but thanks to a son makeover, she's now on a par with the rest. So they've given her a sort of a, an ample bosom. And, uh, and now you've got all the other ones out there as well. With, because they were doing fairly ample bosoms. Um, the original artist, Hans Holbein, um, you know, didn't really know what to do with it. So they just sort of made her a bit plain Janish. And so because it's, it's cleavage week in the sun, it's all a bit exciting. Uh, she's there, sent a spray. Some of the others are very good, actually. Uh, the, Marie Antoinette was fairly busty in the busty department. There was a story about Marie Antoinette, and I wish I could remember what it was. Was it something she had a cup design that she could get her breast into? And that's why it was called, I believe, a Marie Antoinette cup or something like that, because it was supposed to be the size of one of her breasts. Um, Anne Hyde, I don't know. Uh, Madame Henriot, uh, uh, from 1876. Again, fairly, fairly chesty sort of person. It's all those Rubens models. They were all fairly, fairly big, weren't they? Uh, there's one here. She's the original Kim Kardashian, they say. Too early for Instagram. Her name was Clara Peters in the 1610 selfie. She's, she's very busty. Very busty indeed. 
but uh, not half as busty as Anne of Cleves, who, uh, they all had tiny waists. You notice that all those people from those days, everybody's waist was miniature. I think they must have spent ages getting them into the corsets and trying to, uh, trying to make them, they must have looked ghastly. They must have looked ghastly. Uh, so Katie Price announced the news during an appearance on Aussie TV. She revealed, I've got something big coming up in Australia. Well, they're not going to take her out and float around the Great Barrier Reef, are they? And she said, I think I'm going to be in Australia for around three months, as if the Australians give a forex about that. Why would they be remotely bothered? And uh, Channel 9, which broadcasts the reality show, Down Under, says we've got nothing to do with Katie Price. I don't think anybody has. What, is she going to dump the kids or something? Because I'm assuming the kids are at school. I'm assuming they do have an education. So what's she doing? She's going to dump them. Because apparently they were saying in the paper the other day that, you know, Katie with her £40 million, which of course is a load of old codswallop, as you know, doesn't have £40 million. The bad news is that Cheryl Fernandez Spagbol has uh, decided that she might become an MP. I know, I know. (laughs) Stranger things have happened, ladies and gentlemen. She revealed she's not keen on paying more taxes, no kidding, and isn't terribly mad about Labour's proposed mansion tax. Uh, And in an interview, she said she wouldn't rule out a move into politics. Stranger things have happened, she said. Yes, dear. I don't think anybody as dim as you is ever going to be allowed into politics. I mean, you really are way too stupid. Way too stupid. I think you've... Uh, somebody, have you had a sherbet or something? Have you had a couple of drinks and somebody said, oh, you're going to be absolutely brilliant. Oh, you could go into politics. They'd all vote for you. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't, dear. People would be laughing at you. It would be quite, quite embarrassing. Quite embarrassing. Picture today. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, I can't mention it. I just realise it's an ongoing case. So at least we only got as far as picture today. But uh, it's an interesting one. We'll do it probably when it, uh, when it finishes tomorrow. Family holidays. Are you one of those families that take the kids out of school? But uh, now there are strict new rules on taking kids out of school in term time. Uh, Poor children miss out because their families can't afford to travel during school breaks. It said parents should be able to take pupils out of the classroom without fearing fines. Union chief Christine Blower says it can't be right. Families who have less money can't afford to go on holiday. Well, it's just their problem, isn't it? Why should you worry about poor families? So, in other words, you know, because they're, they're poorer families, they can't afford to take them out in term time because it's too expensive. So, well, don't have a holiday then. Don't have a holiday. You know, we didn't have holidays some years because we couldn't afford it. My parents didn't go bleating to the union and go, oh, it's terrible, we can't afford to take, you know, the, the two boys on holiday because we haven't got any money. Simple as that. Lots of parents can't afford to take people on holiday. It's very expensive. Very, very expensive. To actually take people out there. You know, an average holiday for a family of, what, four or five? I mean, it could be £5,000 easily. Easily. You know, easier to sort of, you know, book a holiday in this country. Or failing, you know, that go and buy a paddling pool and stay in. Make it so much easier. Poor old Elliot Wright, another one of the of the dim family, um, has uh, his, his dream of finding stardom. Oh, I don't think so, love. I don't think so. Let's hit the skids. So he's going to Spain to pursue more lucrative business interests. That'll be good, which is great. So perhaps he can still carry on paying the wife and looking after the children that he's got. He hasn't closed the door on Towie. I don't think he made any contribution to Towie at all. The bloke was ultimately boring and a bit of a thug, I thought. Didn't like him at all. But um, he hopes to take over a £2 million restaurant in Marbs, which will no doubt attract a clientele of party-loving Premier League footballers and wannabe wags. God, it sounds absolutely ghastly. Hopes to take over a £2 million restaurant? With what money? 
Elliot, who has two young children based in Spain with his former partner, says, My life has always been divided between Essex and Spain, but I'm committed to TOWIE. Yes, love, of course you are. Unfortunately, you could walk down the street, start naked, and nobody would have the faintest idea who you were. Perhaps you could take Nanny Pat with you. She looks like, as I say, she's on her last legs. Best place for a bit of, bit of sunshine. That'd be quite nice. Gang of bullies in the paper, setting fire to a girl's GCSE coursework, and then sent her a video of it burning. Rhiannon Blair watched in tears as years of precious notes went up in seconds. She'd not realised they were missing until she received the video, which shows fellow pupils laughing as they destroy the papers. She said she'd been bullied since last September at uh, at a school in Bracknell in Berkshire, which suspended the youths in the video for three days last week. Police are now investigating. Isn't that horrible? What horrible people. Suspend them, kick them out. They quite clearly come from families from the wrong side of the track. Perhaps they're the poor ones who can't afford a holiday. Horrible people. So they burnt all her coursework. What would be the point of that? Oh, and they've got this keen on quinoa. Quinoa. Why don't they write quinoa, then? It says quinoa here. They wrote quinoa. It's not... Well, who cares where it comes from? And they tell you what, what you can do with it. I've got a very good idea of what you can do with it. Unfortunately, it's not repeatable on this programme. Quarter past five. On LBC. Not if my friend Chris will be with Mr Clegg for this morning. He's in with Nick Ferrari at uh, nine o'clock. And it's all changing the entertainment world, as Nick Ferrari will be discussing. One man kicked out. Another one left. What's next for them and their fans? And are you beside yourself at the loss of Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear or Zayn Malik from One Direction? Uh, there's also the poisoned blood transfusions yesterday. Campaigners calling it a whitewash or a red wash or something. Uh, Conservative MP Nick Dubois is doing the papers today. That's with Nick Ferrari after the news at seven o'clock. That's after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Eight four eight five zero C B L B C dot co dot uk. John says, Steve, the police are getting involved with Clarkson. So when an arrest is imminent, they can tip off the BBC helicopter. Seems to be a lot of tipping off throughout the whole thing, doesn't it, really? Stuff that you wouldn't ever have heard about seems to have been tipped off. You know, the Telegraph got that thing the other day where they were uh, told, you know, that Clarkson would be would be going. And you think, so somebody told them that. You know, what, is, is that phone hacking? Are we back onto that? Do let me know. Uh, Kevin the Milkman, so he's been caught out with this uh, Pall Mall closure. He says, I thought I'd follow diversion signs. It'll take me to German Street, where the next call was. Be warned, everyone, the diversion signs just end, leaving you lost. Good job I know the West End. Yes, we ignored those completely. Ignored them completely. <laughs> uh, 84850 oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, when I was in the, uh, the crime museum, we were looking at the hanging ropes when the curator described how the ropes were used. The man next to me fainted. Yes, they, they have all the ropes there. But, I mean, what do they think they are? You've got ropes hanging there, and they've, they've got the, uh, the leather. I was always amazed it was leather, the little the, the slipknot bit. It's leather, so it slides quickly, very quickly, and that's what happens. And so it, um, it sort of then sort of breaks your, is it fifth vertebrae or something? Whichever, I can't remember which one it is. Uh, Steve, will you be able to do early breakfast once you take the fifth slot in one direction? Said Mark in Brentwood. <laughs> It'd be funny, wouldn't it? Yes, I'm just going off to join One Direction. I'll pop back in and do the programme every so often. I think that could be done. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Angela says, I must now try and get hold of a book I heard you mention before Christmas. So you want to be a celebrity? So there you go. <laughs> it's a very good book. It's doing very well, actually, I have to tell you. Out of all the books, it's doing very well. Nobody's done one like this before. 
and there's probably a good reason for it, is because it's forever changing. The world of celebrity is changing. But this book talks about celebrity and our obsession with it and why we're obsessed with it. You know, why do people go out screaming and want to touch various people because they've seen them on the television? It doesn't quite work the same in radio, thank goodness. Well, it probably does when Christo leaves the building, but that's just people trying to throttle him. So it's not quite the same sort of thing at all. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Apparently, ladies used to try and achieve um, a small waist by having ribs removed. By having ribs removed. And that was fairly popular. Although I did know a girl who had a 12-inch waist. A 12-inch waist. It was as simple as that. And you could look at her and go... Oh, my God, that is so tiny. And I don't think she had any ribs at all. I don't think she had any ribs at all. Women did try and get themselves into corsets. And you see various pictures of sort of plump ladies being pulled and pummeled and pushed into a corset. I suppose nowadays you get the same thing with these vests. You know, this vest that I bought. It's not having any effect at all. I couldn't even be bothered to put it on this morning. I might wear it over the weekend just for fun. But at the moment, I'm uh, I'm sort of trying trying to resist. So... Here's a silly little story of thieves who burgled a primary school to swipe the milk delivered for the pupils. CCTV shows the crooks stealing a week's worth of the drink meant for three to four-year-olds. One thief is seen scaling a nine-foot fence at the primary in Wigan and then passing bottles to an accomplice on the other side. The head teacher says they've come with a bag, so it's just so callous. What would they be doing with it? I mean, as they're caught on CCTV, they should be easily identified, and then we get them, we get them in court, and, uh, and then we throw them in prison. I'm sick to death of people saying, oh, you know, we're going to put two, you know, 12 months in prison suspended for two years. No, 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 no. Hanging. Hanging. So much easier. We could take the problem away, because these people are bound to re-offend, aren't they? Bound to re-offend. Um, oh, I can't do that story, because it's about pussycats, and it's not, not very nice. Not a nice story about pussycats at all. David Walliams throwing himself into work. Doesn't seem remotely bothered about the marriage split now, does he? Unless inside he's crying, ladies and gentlemen. Inside he's crying. He might not be. He might not be, but he might be. We have no idea whether he is or not. (laughs) It's just uh, that uh, you would think that he'd want to stay in or at least be making some sort of effort, you know, to rekindle the marriage. But I I think it's finished, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve says Catherine, uh, a Qatari man's just been sentenced to death by firing squad here for the murder of a British school teacher. She was raped, stabbed, murdered, and her body was taken into the desert and burned. An eye for an eye. It's a shame we can't do all the horrendous things to him that he did to her. She's walking her dogs this morning. So uh, will they actually carry out the death sentence? Will the death sentence be carried out? And do you still have... I mean, where I don't know. I'm, I'm not too sure where they still carry out beheadings and chopping off hands and stuff like that. Uh, Neil says, what do you mean you don't own a tracksuit? So what do you wear when you visit Northfield Market? <laughs> not a tracksuit. <laughs> he says, read Jeremy Clarkson. Much as I enjoy car programmes, I couldn't bear to watch Top Gear with Clarkson and his crony's unique style of presentation. I, for one, am looking forward to a new updated Top Gear with fresh presenters. Am I alone? To be honest with you, I couldn't care less either. It makes no difference to me. I'm not remotely into, into car programmes. So I couldn't care less. But all I know is that every time you turn on the television, there are all these clips of Top Gear with Clarkson and Hammond and May. And they work together. You know, it worked for them. It was one of the most requested programmes for people to go to. It was one of the most requested programmes. They stood there. They were a good audience. And he obviously enjoyed talking about cars. And he obviously knows a lot about cars. But you see, for me, I couldn't care less. People who know about cars, I mean, God, what balls. <laughs> it's only if something goes wrong with it. You know, so that's why I have people with my... Uh, with my uh, 
car, I can take it in there and go, it's doing this, it's doing that. And either Steve or, uh, or Peter will say, it's this. And that's, you know, that's how it works. Helen says, cheese sandwich is delicious. Did you like Dan Dare? I didn't like any of it. I didn't like any of that kind of stuff. She says, his, uh, his creator, the artist Frank Hampson, was my life drawing teacher at art college. He was a wonderful man, and because we couldn't get models, we used to draw each other. But I'm pleased to say we kept our clothes on. Yes, you get people, don't you? Wasn't it um, oh, the lady from EastEnders? She was a life model. She was a life model. She was one of these people who used to get paid, and they would sit there with no, no clothes on, and people would draw them. I never quite understood the, the benefits to that. You know, I, mean, I, I really don't understand the benefits. You know, when you go to college, they go, today we've got a live model, and they come in and they take their clothes off. Why? Why, do you, why don't you just take a photograph? And they go, oh, I've done it. I've taken a photograph of them. Why would you want to draw somebody's bits? Doesn't, it's a bit embarrassing. And they have to sit there, and they're not allowed to move. So they kind of switch off. But you don't, it doesn't pay a huge amount of money. It's not, not a huge amount of money. Uh, 84850. Eddie says, I wonder if Katie Price is going into the Australian Big Brother house. In which case, I hope they vote to keep her in permanently. Well, I mean, I can't believe that she'll be over there three months. It only takes about a couple of weeks it, to do it. And also, because she's not very interesting. I mean, she really is... Mist- we saw her in the Big Brother house over here. My God, she was boring. Seriously. Seriously. I mean, you know, she had roughly the same effect as about three Mogadon. It was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Boring, dull, that awful, monotonous voice. Small wonder after a while men go, shut up. Awful. Dreadful. I mean, she'd never get a job on a radio station. And uh, a lot of people suggesting Jeremy Clarkson could take the fifth slot in one direction. (laughs) Whether he can sing or not. Whether he can sing or not. Uh, Whether it's carried out or not, says Catherine, about the death penalty, is a different story. They don't do beheadings or chopping off of hands here. The last time the death penalty was carried out, it was 12 years ago. She says, we wait and hope for justice. Twelve years ago, so there's a chance that he might not be executed. So I don't know, does it, does it solve anything? I don't know how I'd feel about that. Somebody said, you know, you might feel different if it was a member of your family who was murdered by somebody. Could you ever forgive them? No. No, it's as simple as that, no. I think they used to say years ago, bring back the death penalty for, for police killers and for children. And then I think, but what about pensioners? What about, you know, the disabled and all sorts of people? Who get, uh, who get attacked and maimed on the streets. I mean, you would be thinking horrible thoughts. As long as somebody else carried it, I couldn't care less about somebody. I think it's an eye for an eye, but I don't think it solves anything. The death penalty has never been a deterrent. That's the, uh, that's the whole reason they abolished it. It was never going to stop people. Even in other countries, where they go, oh, there's a death penalty. If you do this, pfft, they look like they're bothered. No, absolutely not. And uh, Spencer says, hopefully the new Top Gear will concentrate on testing the cars people want to or are able to buy, like a new Ford or an Austin. Uh. Paul in Poplar says, I had a 12-inch waist once, but I was only three months old at the time. Happens every night in Peckham and Woolworth, but most of all Bermondsey, says Mick the Milk. (laughs) Oh, the update on the car taken from the auction car park for not having road tax. They wanted 560. Got it back yesterday for 265 pounds. Cash talks. Or maybe they took pity on me, said Ron. I can't believe you actually paid it. I can't believe you paid 265 quid in cash. Maybe putting that through the books, will they? That's what builders used to say years ago. You know, they they sort of say, uh, you know, center center. You go, how much for cash? They say, well, not that off though, because they, it goes under, you know, in the pocket. Much easier. Uh, Steve says, Kevin the milkman. Thieves don't care whose milk they steal. We've had people steal the school third of a pint milk from outside nurseries. Isn't that dreadful? People, do, they do thieve everything, don't they? Now I see people thieving in um, in uh, in Marks and Spencers. 
they just pick up a sandwich and walk out the door. The, I mean, the, the security guard in Marks and Spencer in Twickenham is possibly the most useless person I've ever seen. They might as well just have him stuffed and put in a corner because he couldn't stop anybody. It's uh, 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Morning, Charlie O'Brien as well. All these early mornings, it's another feed. All those mums who've just given birth going, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I just can't keep awake. I always tend to find, you know, if it's... I, always, I can always tell if it's a new mum, because they write in so tired and exhausted, going, I'm just really not getting the amount of sleep I'm possibly due. <laughs> it's very stressful. Very, very stressful. David Beckenham reckons there's a huge waiting list to be one of those people standing around with folded arms on top gear. Yes, it is one of the most requested shows. I don't think the waiting list is as long as that. I know, uh, I know uh, a door that would get you in fairly quickly. And, uh, and Alan says, that what a world we live in. Richard III, murderer of the two princes in the Tower, gets a decent burial. Clarkson and friends, no doubt, will work on Sky for loads more. Strangely, they've said no. Sky have said no. They said they have no plans to, uh, to do anything there. Uh, but the good news, Katie Price transported to Australia. I know, if only she stays there. That would make it so much easier, wouldn't it, really? Uh, much, much easier. Uh, another one here, very quickly, uh, on the other side on my Twitter account, find out who's, uh, who's around with us this morning, apart from the 4am spikers. It's now a bit late, isn't it, really, at 26 minutes to 6. And um, this is one here from uh, Diane, who say, it's a little unfair to say Cheryl couldn't become an MP. Nigel Farage became one, and he doesn't have a degree. Yes, she has one. What, what is it in? What is it in? I don't think she has a degree at all, does she, really? And uh, And somebody says... Getting up at 4am is worth it to listen to Steve Allen on LBC. Brutal and funny. It's like you're saying what's in my head. That's exactly what we're doing. In fact, we are inside your head. And Rebecca says Steve Allen impeccably stylish. Well, I've never been called impeccably stylish. It's very sweet, but I promise you. Although I might be seeing my friend Chris later on, who comes around with Nick Clegg, and he is impeccably stylish. Sickeningly stylish. So I'm hoping he's not in today. Uh, Sarah says that Jeremy Clarkson could benefit from a session at the... Yes. <laughs> I can't mention that, as you can as you can well imagine. But you're quite right, actually. And um, and one here says, if you punched your producer, uh, making him bleed, then verbally abused him in an aggressive manner, uh, would LBC take action? Of course they wouldn't, because we wouldn't tell them. Because he'd, he'd be so badly bruised, he wouldn't be able to go to them. I'd make sure that he couldn't... Uh, <laughs> I'd be going, what? Oh, shame we can't hear you, can we? We've taken all your teeth out. I mean, to be honest with you, yes. Of course they would take action, because he'd be the first one to go, oh, I can get money, that'll cover the Prosecco at the wedding. You know, he'd be looking for that straight away. But it would never happen. I've never heard of a presenter in my life, or certainly not in radio, although, no, no, it might have happened in radio, certainly never at LBC, we're far too polite for things like that. You know, a little bit of fisticuffs outside is never going to be happening on this radio station. It just wouldn't happen like that. You might get people shouting... You might get people shouting, but that's that's about as far as it would go. So, um, <laughs> Steve, the guy from One Direction is in a new band now called Duvet. They're a covers band. Oh, Honestly, it's dreadful, isn't it? Not sure about the new look Waitrose in Twickenham. Yes, they've um, they've taken out the coffee shop and they put in sort of like a, a sandwich thing, which seems to be everywhere. We're obsessed with sandwiches now. We're obsessed with fast food at lunchtime. Whereas, in fact, really, all we want... And they, I missed that, was it last night or tonight? The programme about Kentucky Fried Chicken again. Which, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, John. 
and he said he'd never have it ever again. He said it made him ill, which reminds me to tell you that there is a huge piece in the papers today about about chicken and about how contaminated it can be and how dangerous it can be. And they've been round all the supermarkets and they've checked and it it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all. So I'll run through the uh, the details, probably the other side of the news at uh, six o'clock. There's also a piece on what the old childhood TV shows say about you. Well, I th- it depends, doesn't it, when you were born. So there are people whose uh, childhood TV favourites are frankly a warning sign. If you liked Basil Brush, for example, that means that you're a traditionalist uh, and a functioning alcoholic. Bit of a worry, isn't it? If you like uh, Cat Weasel, there's a chances are that you could be a squatter because you like the new age stuff. The Magic Roundabout, um, a potterer, a, proca- uh, a procrastinator, uh, with very little happening in their life and a bit more druggy. That's if you're a Magic Roundabout fan. <laughs> He-Man and Masters of the Universe, steroid user if working in financial services. You see, I mean, I used to like the Wombles. I wonder what the Wombles say about you. Hopefully nothing too much, actually. But, I mean, I was a big fan of the Wombles because they wombled free. And all they did, you know, it was um, Tobermory and Uncle Bulgaria. I mean, they'd have to cope with all sorts of things now as they wandered over Wimbledon Common. People hiding in bushes, leaping out, surprising them. Things like that. All they wanted to do was pick up rubbish. I think Thunderbirds was fairly intellectual. Was, was Thunderbirds an intellectual-type programme? I always thought so. I quite enjoyed it. The stories seemed to be fairly intelligent. I liked it. I like it. Uh, here's the uh, lovely picture of uh, Michelle Keegan. Her performance has led to some of her celebrity chums... Uh, taking to Twitter to gush over her, which is marvellous. Sarah Harding, and um, she, uh, Sarah Harding, about the 27-year-old's portrayal of Tracy, uh, a receptionist. So great seeing you on pastures new, Michelle Geegan. You're a wee belter girl, said Sarah Harding. She's so funny, isn't she, Sarah Harding? You never really know which planet she's on half the time. Uh, Anthony Cotton says, how good was my girl, Michelle Keegan? It's only playing a car receptionist, dear God. And I mean, we're not talking about Shakespeare here or anything like that. And um, and that was about it, actually. But it's, of course, the fact that if ever Michelle... Sorry, if ever uh, Sarah Harding praises you for something, you might as well give up now. Poor Sarah Harding, front cover of OK magazine. Sarah Harding, at home. No job. 20 minutes to, uh, to six. Uh, Liz Hurley was on the red carpet with her son, Damien. 12 years old, but nearly as tall as his mum. And you are putting your pets at risk. Too many treats. Too many treats. And so you've got clinically obese dogs. I mean, there's one here. It's a rat. It is enormous. And what you're basically doing is you're killing your pets. Some of these dogs... I mean, dogs will keep eating. They don't know that... You know, they don't know stop. They just keep going. They eat and eat and eat and eat. And until they just blow up. And then it puts a strain on them, and then you've got to take them to the vet, and it costs you a small fortune. The answer is don't feed them that much in the first place. Students have asked conference delegates to wave their hands instead of clapping, uh, as apparently applause triggers anxiety for some people. This is the National Union of Students. They must be off their trolleys. They asked those at this week's women's conference in Solihull in the West Midlands to do jazz hands waving their hands either side of their face. You know, just a da 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 But anyway, uh, the NUS Women's Campaign tweeted, some delegates are requesting that we move to jazz hands rather than clapping as it's triggering anxiety. Please be mindful. 
Oh dear, but the instructions were ridiculed on Twitter. Somebody wrote back saying, I vote blinking rapidly instead. Are they stupid, these people? Are they stupid? So so clapping triggers anxiety, does it? Oh, get over yourself, for God's sake. Honestly. It is true, isn't it? Further up the country you go, by the time you get to Solihull, you're barking mad, I'm afraid. Oh, well, it looks nice. Who's doing posh sausages? Wild boar and apple. £2.50 for a six-pack. Who's doing that? Iceland. Who's doing low-fat ostrich fillets? £1.30 each. I'm not sure if I could eat ostrich. I'm really not sure if I could eat ostrich. It's, uh, it does say... I mean, I know it's supposed to be good for you, but to be honest... To be honest. Peter Stringfellow is going to be a dad again at the age of 74. His, uh, his wife, who's 32, is pregnant, even though he thinks he's only going to live about another 10 years. That long. That long, Peter, with your lifestyle. I used to go to Stringfellows all the time. I was a real disco bunny. A real disco bunny. I would go to Stringfellows early. We'd all sit at a big table. Be me, Samantha Fox, all the page three girls. Sitting down, we'd have breakfast, we'd chat. People dressed up. Oh, it was lovely. Happy days. Very happy days. Then they'd open the bar downstairs. And you could have a table, provided you bought spirits. And a bottle of spirits was like 85 quid for a bottle. Or you could have a big... They did a Stringfellow champagne at, uh, in a big sort of like silver thing for about £400. Very nice indeed. Very, very nice. Happy days. Happy days. Uh, there's a lady here, Jill Archer. She's got a shop in Ashford. And it's, um, it's a jewellery shop. It's just minus a bit of its stock at the moment. Um, she, basically... She had an assistant who was working in the shop who was, re- who was taking stuff but replacing it with bad fakes. So the police insisted on removing a tray of jewellery that had 53 packets of gold chains, bracelets and coins so they could be assessed by a specialist. Three months later, the force have admitted to Jill that the tray and all 53 packets had gone missing from its property store in Sittingbourne. Some items had already been bought by customers who put down a deposit, and Jill said she sent off documentation proving the value of the missing gold, but she's still waiting for compensation. And now they're in mortgage arrears on the shop. They've only managed to reclaim ten grand in insurance. She says, I'm around £300,000 down. The shop was worth £125,000, but isn't worth anything, so I've had to close it. I want them to pay and back everything I've lost. Pay me back everything. They put me under severe pressure. Kent police have admitted... Full responsibility, but disputes that Jill has proved the value of the gold. A spokesman says we regret the district. Well, where's it gone? What do you mean the police have lost it? How can they lose it? So they give you all this gold and then somebody half inches it from the police. £38,000 worth of gold. I mean, that is incompetence of the, of the highest order, is it not? How on earth can you lose that? We're terribly sorry about it. We've just lost it. Well, where's it gone? Honestly, I don't know. You do. You despair sometimes, don't you? Sometimes you read about such incompetence that you, you can't believe that it's actually happening in this country. But it is. But it is. The hard-pressed NHS, one of the papers tells you today, uh, will run out of money. Not surprised. The amount of people who just turn up and sit there in, in A&E. I mean, frankly, it's like, you know, it's like an ambulance plane. You go in there sometimes and you look around and think, what's the matter with you? You seem to be perfectly happy. Some people are on their phones, some people are reading books, some people are eating crisps and everything else. And you think, well, how ill are you? And the answer is they're just like sitting there. They're just like sitting there. They're sort of, Iceland have gone mad today. They're just doing adverts everywhere for their sausages. I quite like the idea of wild boar sausages, but uh, I'm not sure about ostrich steaks. And um, and the fine after the worker died in the oven. Do you remember the story of Alan Catterill? He worked for a company who made canoes, and they had an oven, and um, which presumably melted, 
the uh, the stuff that they make canoes out of. And so he was carrying out cleaning work at this company in the industrial oven in Runcorn. The oven had developed a fault, it had been shut down for maintenance. When the maintenance work had been completed, it was switched back on again by a colleague who was engaged to Mr Catterall's daughter and put into the warm-up mode. Unfortunately, he was in it, and the door had shut at the time. And uh, when they opened the door, because they saw smoke coming out of it, he'd worked at the company for 12 years. He was a senior supervisor, and all the company got was a £200,000 fine. Doesn't seem a lot, does it, really, for some... You can, I mean, you can't imagine the horror. You're in there, you can't get out, because there's no facility to open the door from the inside, because it's just got canoes in there being made, and the heat has started. I mean, really. The, uh, the owner of the company was given a suspended sentence and a fine of 25 grand. The judge said, you don't need me to tell you how far short of your duty you fell, repeatedly brought home in, uh, to you at the trial. You'll have to live with the consequences of your actions for the rest of your life. Awful. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Ten to six. Morning, everybody. Welcome to my early breakfast show on LBC. Do you know the typical old age pensioner? I say typical because there'll be many of you going, I don't think so. Take three holidays a year, splash out £330 a month, go rambling and put their feet up with a glass of wine at 6.30pm every day. How many on earth does that apply to? I don't think it applies to a lot of people listening at the moment. Uh, your average disposable income is £330 a month. So you take three holidays a year. Where on earth would you be going? Where on earth would you be going on holiday? be an interesting one, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm just, I've got a friend who enjoys holidays, absolutely loves holidays. Me, I really couldn't, uh, couldn't be doing with holidays at all. More on uh, David Beckham, the uh, publicity-shy Davy boy, out with a tea towel on his head and his uh, top off leaning on a balcony. Luckily, there was a photographer downstairs who was able to capture the moment and release it to the newspapers. I always laugh about the Beckham family. They always seem so surprised. Good Lord, we're not in the papers again, are we? Of course you are. It's your photographer. That's why. <laughs> I love it. Um, the other story was about Poldark. And you've got to see the pictures in the mail today because it's really good. They've gone uh, to film the real Poldark town. And when you see how they decorate... The town, it's really, really interesting. Uh, one of them, there was, a, there was a phone box and they couldn't do anything about it. So they just built a, a wooden structure around it and it just looks perfectly normal. In one of them, they were filming in uh, Corsham and there are double yellow lines. So as opposed to having to obliterate the double yellow lines, they just covered them with earth. And so it now looks as though they're from another era. And all of this stuff here, the wheelwright shop in Poldar is in fact a baby shop. And when you look at these pictures, you think, my God, they can do anything. They did it down in Church Street in Twickenham. They used Twickenham a lot for filming. And uh, and they transformed Church Street. They had all the, the shop fronts were all different. And it looked fantastic. And you see it here. Uh, there's one here, the Red Lion Street Market, that's really a parking bay. And then there's another one. There's a curry house, but it's turned into a saddlery shop. It's, it's so clever. The, the decoration of things. like I'm always quite impressed by that. I know it seems really naff. But I promise you, I'm, I'm easily impressed when it comes to film. I believe everything. I believe everything. You're also eating eggs again. I don't know why, but you're scrambling for them. Thank you. It's an old gag. I don't mind repeating it on the programme. You can share it with other people if you like later on today. So scrambling for the eggs again. I'm not really that, uh, that bothered with eating eggs. There's more on the, uh, the £74 hound. An enormous dog. Absolutely enormous. And the Romanian children who turned up in the City of London. They went to the police station. And they said, we'd like to go home. We're in uh, Nottingham. Can you get a taxi for us, please, and buy us a McDonald's? 
And the police went, I don't think so. And they called social services. And social services phoned their parents, and the parents came down and collected them. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, really? What on earth were they doing down here? One of them was 12, one was 14, one was 17. Tempted to say the obvious, but I shall hold my head and my mouth. Uh... The unhealthiest high street in Britain. Which, well, let me tell you the healthy places. If you live in any of these places, you're all right. Because it's very, very healthy. Bristol. Bristol, you're okay. It's healthy. Uh, York, very healthy. Cheltenham, good. Cambridge, not bad. My former producer, Sam, comes from there. So every time I used to get a story about the violence and the and the, the muggings and everything else taking place in Cambridge, I used to highlight them on the programme just to make him feel a bit better. Uh, Carlisle is very healthy. Carlisle, very healthy. Hereford, Perth, Salisbury, oh, sorry, Air, and uh, the other one is Shrewsbury. I think it's pronounced Shrewsbury. <laughs> my uh, my bank manager's listening to the programme. She says, uh, it's four o'clock. Been awake since four. I can't get back to sleep, she said, so I'm forced to listen to you. How rubbish is that? And that's one of my friends. You imagine what the enemies say, can't you? Uh, let's see if we can find you somewhere to go today, Helena. Uh, the unhealthiest places in town. Where do you think the unhealthiest places are? I'll tell you, Eastbourne is unhealthy. See, I thought seaside towns would be the healthy places. People go there to take the air and, you know, fish and chips and they do all that kind of stuff. So I thought that'd be, that'd be uh, good. That's unhealthy, though. Oh, sorry, I've got it all backwards. The healthy ones. So Shrewsbury is the healthy one. Oh, that's right, the unhealthy ones. Eastbourne, Stoke-on-Trent, Huddersfield... Dear, I've got loads of listeners in Huddersfield. Grimsby. Well, it's grim in Grimsby, isn't it? Wolverhampton. Northampton. Blackpool. I mean, God, that is really awful. That is the pits. Uh, Coventry. We talked about Coventry the other day. Middlesbrough. And the number one unhealthy place. Preston in Lancashire. Preston is the unhealthiest place. They don't say why. Presumably because they've got, you know, a proliferation of... You know, fast food places, and it's and it's just it's just horrible, isn't it? I mean, I've, I mean, I've been to Blackpool once. I'd never ever want to go there again. Thank you very much indeed. I, re- I really have got no interest in going back to Blackpool unless it's in a in a car which has got all the doors locked, and you can speed through very fast. I so wanted to like it because it's a northern seaside resort, but I just, you know, it's the people up there. They really are the most ghastly people. Uh, a trainer. Is the uh, the sign of the crimes. This is all airheads and sneaker pimps. Today, the launch of the latest Nike offering, the Air Max Zero. It's £140 a pair. It's just ridiculous. And it's being called Air Max Day. The original model, 1987, was the first to put the Nike Air Cushion on display, featuring a bubble of visible air in the heel. And they were 50 quid. Since then, they've been worn by everybody. And so they've got loads of pictures of the Spice Girls wearing them. Well, one of them. And uh, Barack Obama's been known to sport a pair. Do you think he bought them or do you think he got them for free? And one person who's a DJ on another radio station has got 200 pairs. Well, that's just ludicrous. 200? I've never heard anything so stupid. 200 pairs of trainers. Whereas me, nothing at all. Absolutely Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't possess plimsolls. Tra- I've got some vans, but I'm not. I'm beginning to think now. Maybe I'm a little bit old for wearing vans. I might be just a little bit too old. I don't know whether or not. I mean, I'm, I, is there a certain age where you can stop wearing things or start wearing things? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm. 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 I'm totally convinced. If I wear dark vans, I should be okay. And I think if you wear them with with shorts, but I'm not sure shorts at my age is a, is a good thing. 
Anyway, I might have to start going through the wardrobe. It's all looking slightly disturbing. The bizarre column gets lazier and lazier every day. And so if they can print a huge picture of somebody, they will. So another picture of Kelly Brook. You know, like, we haven't seen Kelly Brook. This is Kelly Brook out with her photographer again. And so uh, the bizarre column print a picture of her. We've seen her walking before. It's nothing new. I just wonder whether or not how stupid you have to be to have a column nowadays. Uh, the selfie queen in Pornbash snub. I'm a bit bored, I'm afraid, with Karen Danzuk. In fact, I'm more than a bit bored with her. Her and her husband are just, um, you know, not on my wavelength at all. Not on my wavelength at all. Uh, there's also the story, which I'm sure we did a while ago, of a man who's going through customs, and they look at his case, and it's a bit heavy. They open it, and his wife gets out. So they've been deported back again. Uh, more... Oh, sorry. Sorry, it goes again, my phone. <laughs> I'm sure I turned the volume down. And it says here... Now, why would this be of interest to me on my phone? Right now, it would take you 13 minutes to drive to Mepham Street. Why would that be of any interest to anybody at this time of the morning? I do not understand it. They send me the oddest things. Uh, Somebody sent me a a thing saying, I've been saying for years there's something not right about the chicken we're eating. Huge cause for concern. The same person who says, now we have the facts about clocks, and I hope the one million petition signees are hanging their heads in shame. Um, Well, I shouldn't think so, because if they're a fan of Jeremy Clarkson, they couldn't care less either way. Couldn't care less. Either way, um, <laughs> little too old, little too old. Thank you. Bank manager back again. Uh, the sparrow numbers are flying back up. We got worried about sparrows. They disappeared, didn't they? And we started saying, where have all the sparrows gone? Anyway, they're back again, together with uh, the great tit. The great tit has been missing, apparently, and all of a sudden it's back. So that's nice, isn't it? Blue tits we used to get a lot in the garden, and you don't see those so often now. I don't know what they're being wiped out by, but all the birds that I remember, I mean, you know, chaffinches, robin. I see robins occasionally, but uh, I haven't seen goldfinches for ages. Uh, great tits, 1.4 per garden. hope we get the whole one. I don't want the 0.4 bits. Uh, wood pigeons are definitely back in, and starlings are back up as well. It's the, the, RSP, uh, the RSPB have done this survey. So the good news is that sparrows are coming back. I wonder what wiped them out. Were other birds eating them or something? I don't know. really have no idea. No idea at all. But uh, either way, at least we get them back again. I was so worried about the tits. I seriously didn't think we were ever going to see them back in the garden again. But blue tits and great tits can all be back in again. The little piece about uh, Benefit D is in the paper today. She's been plugging a fitness DVD. I wouldn't waste your time or your money, ladies and gentlemen. We know a con when we see one. It's ridiculous, honestly. As I say, you want a fitness DVD? Go to your doctor. They'll give it to you for absolutely free. You don't need to line her pockets. Fern Britton says, I'm 57. I look 57. My boobs are sagging, but I'm very happy. I work with people like that. Uh, Cheers to retirement. OAPs are now doing proper retirement. Uh, One out, both out. Zane and Jeremy both disappeared. Uh, which one will make the most money? I should imagine Jeremy. Uh, the oven kill boss only got a £25,000 fine. Morrissey failing to show for the Chatty Man TV appearance. And uh, the police admitting to losing £38,000 worth of gold. They're not too sure whether or not it's 38000 or something else. Either way, it was in their safekeeping and it's gone. The great British food safety sell-off. You have no idea how contaminated your chicken is. I'll tell you on LBC after the news, which is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Morning, everybody. It's five past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. This is what you're waking up for in the morning. Thursday, the 26th of March. It's tipping it down outside. I was omitting to bring in the weather because I'm totally convinced when I was listening to Ollie Mann, somebody had said the weather earlier on was going to be basically dry. Well, it's not round here. It's very wet and it's very miserable. So if you're heading out on your journey, do take an umbrella, please. I'm sick to death of seeing people looking like drowned rats wandering about all over the place. And uh, Jackie says, well, Steve, what you were saying about Clarkson now, you were wrong. Nobody's bigger than the show. They're axing the show, dear. They're axing the show, so I was absolutely right. You know, he is bigger than the show. They've decided to axe it. So that way, well, I mean, they haven't, but do you mark my words, that'll be the next thing you hear. Don't give me the same show, because the other two will not work without him. And so it'll be a different show. So, in fact, Top Gear, as you know it, is finished. Because Top Gear was with Jeremy Clarkson. I know Angela Rippon did it before, and I know Noel Edmonds did it before. But the show that you know is, uh, is actually going... And they will bring something else in and they will probably bring in a another presenter or they'll bring in another three presenters, however many they think they need to actually do it. So uh, Clarkson's out. Not that he worries. He sold his share of the programme for eight and a half million. So he's laughing all the way to the piggy bank. And uh, Zane Malik has quit One Direction. As we predicted, he had a bit of a hissy fit the other day, angry at the way the press treated him, angry at the way that um, he didn't have any privacy. So he's quit the group. First of all, he quits the world tour. And then at the age of 22, he makes this universal decision that he's going to quit the group. And the reason he's quitting, he wants to be a normal 22-year-old. Well, there's no chance. In fact, he's possibly made it worse. Because you know what will happen now? Every time he goes out, there'll be a picture of him looking miserable. And they'll go, Zane missing his friends. Zane with no girlfriend. There's going to be all sorts of things. There's going to be all sorts of things. So if he seriously thinks that by walking away from the group, the press are going to leave him alone, that's the last thing they're going to do. In fact, if anything, they're going to step up. They're going to step up how many cameramen are out there trying to get a picture of him. They'll be looking for pictures of Zane looking fed up. Zane sitting in a pub. Billy no mate. Zane. It'll have all that kind of stuff. You just know because they've done it before. It's not uh, not uh, not difficult to see why that's probably the worst decision he's ever made in his entire life. You know, as you know, you've seen lots of pictures of Jeremy Clarkson in the papers uh, on his bicycle, as if he doesn't have a very expensive car. He's got numerous very expensive cars to drive. Uh, Zane says, "I want to be a normal twenty-two-year-old." Oh, there's us thinking you were a normal twenty-two-year-old, and now you've sort of proved that you know everybody else seems to manage in the group, and yet he was the one who didn't. So perhaps there's always one who sort of can't cope with it. Who knows? Apparently, Harry Styles cried on stage after hearing the news. And you think, why? We never thought they all got on at all. So it's, it's always quite interesting. Duncan Bannatyne has become the latest celebrity, ladies and gentlemen, to moan about Labour's plans for a mansion tax. Uh, there's also the story about the abuse care home, which has banned spy cameras a care home where staff were caught on video abusing a dementia patient uh, has banned relatives from installing more spy cameras. Well, I'd take your family out of there then immediately. You can't trust them to run anything. They say here that, uh, you know, these, the, the, these sort of cameras, um, the, it's legal issues around filming people without their consent. Yes, well, somebody's being abused. Somebody being abused. God, dear, honestly, it's absolutely dreadful, isn't it? The things that uh, things that go on in care homes. Uh, the ketchup king, Heinz, had to gobble up Kraft in a £68 billion deal. So Heinz will have uh, all sorts of things now, uh, including 
uh, tomato ketchup, beans, soups, pasta, infant food, HP sauce and Lee and Perrins. Plus, they'll also get Philadelphia, Dairy Lee, Capri Sun Juice Drink, Maxwell House Coffee, Planters Nuts. About £70 million a year in sales each. 25 brands. And each one is about uh, £70 million a year. Heinz sells 650 million bottles of ketchup every year. That's how addicted to it. I'd love to see them making ketchup. There's a programme on the telly at the moment where they show you how they make things. And I quite like that idea. Uh, there's also a very rare Picasso coming up for sale. It's called uh, The Women of Algiers, said to be his most important work, still in private hands. And they've obviously decided that perhaps insuring it at home is a little bit difficult. So they've decided that they're going to sell it. Um, it's worth, they reckon, at auction, about £100 million. Can you imagine having a picture on the wall and they go, you know, I wish my parents had bought art. They bought furniture. Not quite as exciting, but still nice, still nice. So £100 million. It'll be sold by Christie's in New York in May. It was painted in 1955. Um, this month, a painting by Gauguin set a new world record, £197 million. There are people in the world who do have this kind of money. And uh, they're more than happy to uh, to spend it. So I suspect that this Picasso will go way over estimate. Way over estimate. Nick Dubois doing the papers this morning. He's on his, uh, on his way in at the moment. Ploughing through the water and the rain and everything else. Uh, Jackie says, violence in the workplace is never acceptable. He wasn't in the workplace, Jackie. Let's get your facts right, really. Nothing worse than not reading the facts. He was in a hotel. He wasn't in the workplace. He was in a hotel. So not in the workplace. And uh, it is acceptable. Footballers seem to get away with it all the time. Didn't notice you moaning about that one, did you? And a uh, nice little picture of somebody superimposed Jeremy Clarkson with One Direction being the extra member of the group. Thank you, Maddie. I quite, I quite like the idea, actually. I quite like the idea. And, uh, and Steve, says the black cat poet Michael, for some strange reason my phone keeps me updated on the progress of the German football team, Borussia Dortmund. I don't know. See, I don't know anything about that. I, don't, I, wouldn't, have the, I wouldn't have the faint. I get all sorts of strange things on my phone. It sort of puts up all sorts of strange things going, oh, you know, you should know about this or you should know about that. And quite clearly, I don't want to half the time. Uh, over in uh, Vienna, uh, we've got uh, Eurovision coming up very shortly, which is where it's going to be. And uh, Paul Hollingday says, 53 days to go before Eurovision. And here in Vienna, they're ahead making preparations for what should be a mega affair on the 23rd of May. Austria's entry is a rock trio known as the Make Makes, with their song called I'm Yours, and already being tipped as potential winners. We can check them out on YouTube, the Make Makes and I'm Yours. Uh, the band have international appeal. I must tell Dawn about it. And if they do actually win, it won't be the first time a country has won two years in a row. Happened in 78-79. Uh, Israel came up with uh, Isa Cohen and the Alpha Beta with their song, Abani B. Do you remember that one, Abani B? It sounded like I Want to Be a Polar Bear, but it was Abani B, da-da-da. And then was uh, Galeaterai, Galeaterai, and Milk and Honey with Hallelujah. So there you go. Here in the city, they've already plastered the uh, Strassenbahn streetcars with the colourful logos bearing the slogan, Building the Bridges. That's good. So if the make-makes do win Eurovision, you heard it first. On LBC. Perhaps we should put some money on Paul. I mean, if you're that confident about it, if you're that confident, I mean, it could be, could be, a, could be worth a pound. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Caroline says, "I hope Jeremy's proud of himself." If the BBC acts the show, how many people will be out of a job? Well, I'm not sure if it's made by an outside company anyway. And all they'll do is they'll ju- depends whether they get the commission for it or they put it out to tender. I've got no idea. 
I don't know how it works in that. But, I mean, th- you're right. There's a lot of people involved in it. And there will be a lot of people um, who aren't working and haven't worked since this whole thing started. So, for a few weeks now, nobody's been earning any money. Least of all the uh, the junior producer at the middle of the whole thing. Tom says, have you heard the rumour Danny Dyer's being lined up? Yeah, and Winnie the Pooh and, uh, and I believe, Pinocchio. Everybody's lined up for it. And, uh, I, mean, they, I mean, the strongest rumour, and this is to go no further, OK, the strongest rumour is that Steve Allen from LBC's Early Breakfast is being lined up to do it because he's a bit of a petrol head. He knows everything about cars. There's nothing he doesn't know about cars. He, 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 he could sell a Cinquecento to the Eskimos. Seriously, he could be lined up. You know, I think it's about time they started looking at people who are unknown. And God knows there's nobody more unknown than me to take that programme on. Can you imagine what a dreadful thing to do, take on a car pro? I'd have to sit there and go, has it got leather seats? The petrol goes where? And that's about as far as it would go for me. So who's going to take it? Chris Evans has said it's not him. He said, no, it's not him. So I wonder who it could be. You might as well chuck your hat in the ring, everybody, because it's, uh, it's up for grabs, whatever sort of programme it is. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is the time. Steve Allen's early breakfast for a few more minutes. Perhaps we could have Clarkson on question time, says uh, says Katriana via Prague, normally from Yorkshire. She says there's a few po- politicians that need slapping around on there. I wonder if they'd invite him on to slap. Bearing in mind, he's not been dropped from the BBC. He's only been dropped from Top Gear. But uh, what happens to the rest of it? Anybody's uh, business. Uh, Steve, I won £25 on Tuesday at the lottery, says Alan. Uh, on Saturday, £25. Tuesday, £3.10. And I've just won £110. It's lovely. He says, how many cases of Prosecco if I win Friday's Euro Millions? Well, you can't. I've already got the numbers. OK. Uh, you will get soaked, Nick Dubois. You will definitely get soaked. It's very wet out there. Very wet out there this morning. I hope people are taking umbrellas. Because uh, I don't want him to arrive in in a bad mood. He's only got to be in a good mood when he comes into the, into the studio. And uh, somebody else saying, I put money on Norway's entry. A Monster Like Me by Morland and Debta Scarlet. Brilliant song. Check it out, says Paolo in Manchester. Uh, Alex, th- Alex Ferguson threw a boot at David Beckham once and cut him over the eye. They sorted out like men. What happens in the dressing room stays in the dressing room. Yes, I don't... Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just... It's blown up. A lot of people are out of work. And uh, it's interesting. Somebody just sent me a text saying... Um, saying, uh, you expect... This is Richard. You hope to see Jeremy Clarkson back on the telly. I couldn't care less either way. I couldn't care less. I was never a Jeremy Clarkson fan. All I can tell you is that uh, he made that programme what it was. Because when he left it originally, because it was originally Noel Edmonds and... Um, what's her name? News, Angela Rippon. And they, they did it. Then he took over... And the figures went up. Then he left it. Figures dropped down. So they put him back on again. And the figures went up again. And that's, that's all television companies are interested in now. They're interested in, in figures. As a threesome, they work really well together. He came in to talk to me at Christmas. Bearing in mind, I've not really seen the programme. You know, I know what it is because I've seen clips of it. And ever since the programme has been suspended, I've seen more of it. Because it's on just about everything. And he came in at Christmas with uh, Mr Hammond. They had a DVD to promote. They were both witty charming, pleasant. That's all I can tell you. I can only tell you as it is. Whether I want to see him back on the television, I couldn't care less either way. You know, I'm not, I'm not bothered about anything like that at all. I'm sure he will be back on television. Of course he will. Of course he'll be back on television. It's not like he's killed anybody, for goodness sake. You can understand it. You know, mind you, even, even murderers get back on television. Convicted murderers. So, you know, it, it depends what it is. Depends what it is. Uh, eight for... 
stevenlbc.co.uk. A lot of people suggesting that you could put him, actually, on, on Question Time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I firmly believe you probably could. He's as intelligent as the next. I mean, they put all sorts of different people on there, so I see no reason why you couldn't. Front pages of the papers. Let's run through those briefly for you today before we finish. Uh, The Daily Mirror. Axed Clarkson faces cop grilling. This is the police who are apparently going to get involved. I mean, weeks after something happens. uh, Let's not hold your breath on that one. The Sun. uh, Do one. Clarkson, sacked by the Beeb, faces police probe. And, uh, you know, for something that happened in a private hotel. Nobody died. God, but if the police were involved, every time somebody was pushed around a bit, good God in heaven, I mean, they're bad enough for the stuff they've got to do now. Sorry, are you smoking in the car? Oh, get out of the car. Are you on your phone? Out the car. 20 minutes of paperwork. Zane quits One Direction to have a normal life. No chance. No chance. The press are going to be watching him every five minutes. Literally, I mean, every minute of the day. From the moment he opens his curtains in the morning, there'll be a photographer out there. Got him. So what's he doing now? What have you got lined up, Zane, for today? Nothing. I'm just going for a walk in the park. Oh, right. Want to be a normal 22-year-old? Not going to be allowed to happen, I'm afraid. Not going to be allowed to happen. Supermarkets are blocking efforts to tackle a deadly bug found in chicken. It turns out that Asda, Tesco, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Waitrose and the Co-op are failing to help. Only Marks and Spencer are giving updates on its plans. Oh dear. I've always been a bit wary. See, I don't eat pork anymore. I've stopped eating pork. Not for any other reason, apart from the fact that I think I'll eat bacon but I just don't want to eat pork or anything like that. And I don't even buy Marks and Spencer's chicken bits, only if it's if it's quality chicken. But if they've got, you know, three boxes of, for a fiver of chicken nuggets, I, I don't buy that, because I know it's not going to be particularly good stuff. So I, I don't bother with that at all, I'm afraid. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm quite good at not, you know, if once I've gone off something, I kind of go off it. Uh, Clarkson Sachs says the Daily Telegraph could face an assault charge. Uh, also, the pilot of the plane that went down, might have been incapacitated in minutes before. There's also stories that he might not have been able to get back into the cockpit. Uh, The Conservatives, according to the Telegraph, hatching a plot to bury the Speaker with a vote to unseat Mr Burko. Apparently they were doing a thing the other day, and apparently they were right next door to the Burko's place, and somebody said, you can have a quick look into their bedroom if you open the door here. So they opened the door, and they had a look, and apparently they've got red sheets and the the wag said, uh, who, was, who was writing about it, said, it's funny because we thought Sally Burko draped herself in white sheets. Sally the Burke, who is no more, disappeared completely. More questions and answers on flight 9525. Uh, the Times, mystery of the air disaster, leaves the experts baffled. And Paul Bramley, originally from Hull, studying in Switzerland, had taken the doomed flight to see his family in Britain. Uh, the other story running on the Times this morning is the Top Gear. Other stars are ready to quit the BBC. I think, though, it's um, I think it's uh, to do with contracts. I think most of their contracts are up. Metro on the front page. It's uh, Clarkson out facing a police probe over the assault. And the Express today. Uh, now they say Clarkson faces police action. Well, that's not strictly true. Police have said they'll look at it, but it occurred on private property. You know, it's, 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 it's up to the other person. If he says he wants to press charges, then he'll press charges. I doubt he will. Fern Britton at 57, looking like 57. And she said, I'm happy. I love her to pieces. And, uh, and did the window crack? That's the big question on a lot of the papers of this flight, this doomed flight. That's it for this morning. It is a wet day. Presumably it'll stay like that for a little while. So uh, enjoy what little bit you've got left of it. Enjoy your day. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. As we head into the weekend, and we'll have two clips uh, for you for In Conversation. George Benson, the legend that is George Benson, is going to be joining me for In Conversation this Sunday. And Amelia Fox as well. 
It's going to be in. So we've got lots to talk about, including the Bear Grylls programme, which she was slightly wary of. And uh, we'll have a free podcast for you up in around 15, 20 minutes' time. Because you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. Download the LBC app or there's TuneIn Radio 2. It's on lbc.co.uk. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, which is at Steve Allen Show.